On today's show, we are joined by professors Nathan Goldman and Christina Llewellyn from NC State's Poole College of Management. Nathan and Christina recently wrote a fantastic piece entitled, The Happiest Place on Earth? A Look Inside Disney's Tax and Non-Tax Battle with the State of Florida, and were gracious enough to stop by to help us get a better understanding of the financial impact of Florida's actions against Disney, and what to look for next in this ongoing saga. This is Financial Recon, connecting the dots between everyday life and money. Here is Mike Molitoris with Drs. Nathan Goldman and Christina Llewellyn. Okay, Nathan and Christina, thanks a lot for joining us here on the Financial Recon Podcast. I'm uh, excited to dive into this Disney topic that's been seemingly burning up the media the last uh, couple weeks. And let's just dive in. What is going on between Disney and the state of Florida for those people who don't know the whole story? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think a lot of this... uh you know, starts with uh, going all the way back to the 1960s. Uh, the Walt Disney Company at the time had a really great thing going. They had movies, they had TV shows, and they had one very popular amusement park, which is called Disneyland and located in Anaheim, California. Now, this was the 1960s, and they wanted to expand uh, particularly the latter of these by developing a mega amusement park, which we now know as Disney World, which is located outside uh, present-day Orlando, Florida. Uh, now, we know Orlando, Florida today. It's big as a large airport with international flights from all the world, and it truly is a destination. But that's not what it looked like in the 1960s. It was more or less a swamp. Uh, it would probably, if Disney World and this big infusion, infusion of, of amusement parks never happened, it would probably look a lot more like uh, nearby towns like Ocala or Gainesville do today. Um, so Disney World really did have a large impact on that region. Uh, like many companies, they had options. And while Disney wanted to be in that location, uh, they could have gone elsewhere. And in doing so, the state of Florida incentivized Disney to come to Florida uh, by creating what we presently know today as the Reedy Creek Improvement District. Uh, and I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but just to summarize what this district is, they have their own rules, their own regulations, and their own taxes. So this was very enticing for a company like Disney to go ahead and move their operations, this large amusement park, to this area. Now, this amusement park, while long admired, has its faults on both sides. Uh, Disney has a lot of power over Disney World, and they get to make a lot of their own decisions. And there's a lot of people that in the state of Florida that do not necessarily like this autonomy. And this all came to a head when Disney decided to voice opposition to some major uh, pieces of legislation that have gone through the state of Florida recently. Uh, These two bills in particular, uh, what's being the so-called Don't Say Gay Bill and the Stop Woke Act, uh, do not really align with Disney's core competencies and values. And they let the politicians know that. They let the public know that. In response, the politicians have passed a bill to revoke the Reedy Creek Improvement District effective June of 2023. And that's generally where we're at today. So, you know, I know, like I was on the earnings call when this all kind of snowballed and, you know, Chapek uh, got a lot of flack because he had he, he never really uh, came out and supported those employees that are feeling like this is this is something that's been brewing internally at Disney for for a while. How do we look at this as punishing Disney? Like, what are they Florida trying to impact them by dissolving Reedy Creek? Well, they haven't come out, Mike, and said too much about this that I think like very specifically. But I think what the lawmakers, they kind of have two different things that they're that are going on here. 
So number one, I think that, you know, they can take away. So right now with Reedy Creek, um, Disney has like complete, you know, they can make all the decisions, you know, if they want to build a building, they don't have to go to some municipality and apply for a permit and go through all that. They, it's all done internally. So they have that decision-making power within Reedy Creek and they, so they have autonomy over all of that right now. So I think, you know, part of the thought is they can take that away and make it a little bit more difficult for Disney to do different things by them having to jump through more hoops and work with the local governments to get things built, to get things paid for, to get things taken care of like that. But I think also they think that the, the lawmakers have this idea that, that Disney's going to pay the same amount of property taxes and all the in the taxes that are that are levied through Reedy Creek. And then the spillover of that is it'll pay for more things in the community. But I think that's where the problem is right now is it's not clear that that's actually going to be the way that it's going to work. It's kind of it may backfire and, and be kind of the opposite. Whereas, you know, right now, Disney pays taxes to the local local property taxes to the local governments. And it also pays taxes to Reedy Creek and Reedy Creek being the special district that it is can collect a lot more taxes than what the local, what the maximum allowed in the state is. So when that goes away, and I think it's, you know, um, probably about a hundred million dollars a year that they pay in that, when that goes away, it's not clear that that, you know, what's going to happen to that. And that's probably going to be passed on to the, to the, to the local citizens in the area. So they, I think they think that, that they're going to collect more revenue and it's going to be distributed, but it seems like at least to us, it's kind of going to have the opposite effect there. Oh wow! So it's, so I guess you asked about punishment, but it's kind of, I think it's meant to punish them, but, but you know, it may not really come to pass that way. (laughs) Politicians getting something wrong. What a a (laughs) shock. So how can Disney push back on this whole scenario right now, as things currently stand And Disney has gently voiced opposition to what's been going on. What's interesting is you would expect them to be a lot more vocally against this uh, than what we've seen so far. And I think part of the reason why they haven't been as vocal about it is kind of the reasons that Christina mentioned. They might be doing the math equation right now and seeing that, hey, maybe this isn't necessarily a bad thing for us. Maybe this may actually help us among other dimensions. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that we're we're still trying to figure out. I think there's a lot of people that it still seems a little bit unclear as to how this was meant to punish Disney and what what are ways that they can get around this. Uh, there is one other direct way, though, that they can fight back. Uh, currently, Disney is set to build a large scale headquarters outside of Orlando, Florida. Uh, as we've seen with lots of high profile companies over the last few years, like Apple and Amazon, they're put, they're building these East Coast headquarters in different cities around the U.S. They all get a lot of incentives. And in fact, Disney got about $950 billion in incentives from the state of Florida to locate their facility there because it's going to be employing 2,000 employees that make on average $120,000 each. That's a lot of extra tax revenue, a lot of extra options for these companies. Uh, I'm led to believe, uh, based on my understanding, that part of the reason why Disney chose Orlando for this location is because they have such a large presence in Orlando. They have such a great relation with the local government and the state government. Uh, however, as we've seen with these other relocations, they could get these incentives elsewhere. They could get these tax incentives from lots of different places. Uh, and in fact, the uh, after this came out, the governor of Colorado even started tweeting out, hey, why don't you plan on coming here instead? Why don't you, you know, you don't need to go to Orlando sort of thing. Um, so if they're, although it hasn't been confirmed in any way that Disney's looking elsewhere, uh, but if they chose, they don't need to be, have quite as much of a presence in Orlando. 
Now, does that mean Magic Kingdom is going to suddenly be in Denver, Colorado? Probably not. Um, but does it mean that they can potentially locate other aspects of their operations, other tax paying employees in other locations versus having them all in Orlando? That That's a, definitely a possibility for them. And, you know, what's interesting about that is that that relocation, they are getting a lot of blowback from the Imagineers that don't want to move and relocate. So this could be, you know, maybe that little carrot to say, oh, well, we, we, we you know, punish Florida. We're going to take that back and make the Imagineers happy. So that, that's going to that's going to be an interesting one to watch. So what happens, you know, Reedy Creek, as we know, has debt, right? Like it's a government, they, any government issues uh, debt. What happens to the debt that was issued under Reedy Creek? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. So it's 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 not clear exactly what's going to happen with this, but there's there hasn't been any specific provisions for how this is going to going to work. But in in the absence of anything like that, it's going to just go to the local municipalities. And so what what will happen is they'll they'll take over this debt and they'll have to be the ones to make the debt service payments as well. But you know, part of the problem with that, I think, is that Reedy Creek can can tax Disney at a rate of about three times higher than what um, what the local municipalities can. So that's where they may not even be able to. And now if they're if they're at the, the maximum rate that they can can tax, uh, you know, Disney at the same rate as, as as what the other citizens of the area are, they may not even be able to pay this debt service. And so does that lend itself to possible credit rate? Uh, you know, rating declines for the local municipalities and I guess extra like tax or maybe, I mean, taxes somewhere else that they, they have to implement to, if, if it falls on, like, I'm just assuming I'm going to use Kissimmee proper as like the example, like if it fell on Kissimmee, would they have to like pick up the slack for whatever portion? Right, exactly. So they, I mean, it's, would they have to maybe raise property taxes for everybody in the area to pay for that? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. So let's just say, let's just go on the presumption here or assumption, I should say that, you know, this goes through the debt flows to, let's just say again, Kissimmee. Now their debt, like they're the equivalent uh, for folks out there, their, their rating drops like your credit score. You take on more debt. It's going to drop. That's going to impact their future uh, borrowing yeah, capabilities can, and interest and all interest that. Interest rates are going to go up. Yeah. And, you know, are are they going to be able to to issue debt in the future to be able to, to pay for new things? Like what happens now when Disney wants to to build a new, you know, a new hotel or something like that? Then they ha- then they'll have to, I guess, go through the local government and help and, and, and have to help, you know, maybe fund that. And, and, and yeah, what are those? I, I forgot the te- uh, the technical name of that type of debt. You know, when they uh, the government like subs- uh, subsidize, uh, it's escaping me. But you know, it's um, just one of those programs to incentivize building and so forth, where the government steps in. In um, yeah, they issue the bonds, and then yeah. they've done some of that in, in California, where Disney kind of secure helps secure the bonds, but the, the the local government's the one who actually takes on that debt. So the future, so future debt, as I'm understanding you, would have to then flow through local municipality. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. there have to be roads built or different improvements and, you know, utilities and different things done like that. It's all going to have to go through the local 
the local governments and they'll, they'll be the one who have to take on the debt for that. But and with potentially at a higher interest rate, if they can't collect enough taxes to be able to, to pay for these things too. And, and from a taxation perspective, and I don't know if you all would, would these bonds then, you know, I know municipal bonds kind of go two different ways, right? You have a general obligation and revenue, would we be, would, the taxation of these bonds that then become like revenue bonds because like, you know, tie into a, a toll road or something like that. If you're tying to Disney to pay that for whatever reason, would that mess with the uh, taxation of the debt too? Yeah. I think in general, you would just see a lot, a lot more taxation occurring overall. Okay. Um, Cause you know, when you think about the, you know, what exactly Reedy Creek is covering, they're covering the roads, they're covering, uh, the fire station, the police officers, uh, emergency services, uh, any sort of highways that necessarily run through that area. Uh, they're also covering any sort of like specific disasters that might occur if the, something does happen. They, they're on the, the hook for that. And, you know, thus far, even though Reedy Creek has been the one that's been taking out the debt for these obligations, it's been mm-hmm. Disney that's been solely paying off the debt obligations for them. Uh, Reedy Creek comes in, they say, Hey, we needed a hundred million this year. Next year, we might need 300 million because something special is happening. Uh, the year after that, we might go down to a hundred. They have this lever that they could pull where Disney is financing it directly. As soon as Reedy Creek goes away, it's going to be financed by the counties and they can't just go to Disney and say, we need $300 million this year because all these roads in Disney world need to be repaved. Uh, there's caps on what they could go come to them at. And even though Reedy Creek has gone, uh, has had varying amounts of what they've taxed Disney, it's generally been above the cap of what the counties would be able to do to Disney. Yeah. And it's a, those are like the only roads in, I think, America that don't have potholes. So, <laughs> yeah, that, you're right. Those are some good quality roads down yeah. there. <laughs> so, we kind of get the idea this is not going to be good for the local citizens from a tax perspective. But from looking at it as a business, Seems like this is going to be accretive to Disney's financials. Uh, I mean, where would we want to be looking for changes if this goes through when they file that first quarterly report? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and it's it's not clear exactly. There there probably won't be any direct impacts or places that you'll want to look. You know, a lot of this stuff just kind of gets buried down in the financial statements. It's not. I mean, it's not disclosed unless it's, you know, something that's that, that's that's hugely material. So it's possible there could be dis- some disclosures about that. But uh, my guess is it's probably hidden somewhere in, in their SG&A or, you know, general operating expenses as far as their payments for property taxes and payments to Reedy Creek. And so that's I mean, you know, to the extent that those go down, then their operating expenses will go down as well. And then that, you know, that'll end up boosting their bottom line. And I, I should give Christina credit for this little nugget. <laughs> Nowhere in Disney's financials is Reedy Creek mentioned anywhere. Uh, so as big of a deal as this is being made out right now, as much money as they convey to Reedy Creek, um, it is not mentioned anywhere. So you know these are things that are not necessarily uh, transparent to the broader public. These are things that do happen kind of in the yeah. and, and have you noticed and i i can't for the life of me remember this in their in their financials and their management discussion and analysis do they reference you know reedy creek as like as this as a threat i mean it seems like this whole thing that's going on with florida now needs to become like a material <laughs> disclosure 
Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, if we think about you know the increased emphasis on like risk, disc, like relevant risk disclosures. No, this isn't one of those things that that's mentioned in there as you know this is something that you know that maybe financially is not you know not a big deal, but as far as our operations and how we're able to to do business and set things up and build new buildings, and you know if that does get dissolved as a result of the political landscape, then that's potentially a big risk factor. <laughs> There, but they probably never thought that that was something that would be, you know, that would happen. But, you know, that's we have a big, you know, big initiative here with enterprise risk management at NC State. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, part of what, you know, what we do here is educate executives and companies on, you know, looking at broader risks and how these can impact the company and, you know, brainstorming and coming up with risks. And I think this is a, a, a big one that, that Disney perhaps didn't see coming that, that, you know, that could end up being a big risk factor. Would we be looking at something like this? Do we start seeing it pop up in their financials as a one-time, the dissolution of Reedy Creek as a one-time charge? I wouldn't say it would affect, it would be like a one-time charge, like in terms of dollar amounts. I would, I mean, I would, I don't know what you think about this, Nathan, but I would think it's more in terms of, you know, out into the future, like what they're able to do and how it's going to affect their growth and things like that. That's where the, the, the material impacts will be. So, I, I mean, I don't know if that'll be disclosed in there or discussed in any way. I would I would think so, but I'm. It, but who knows for sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be discussed as a general business risk at this point. Uh, you know, not unlike uh, I remember back in uh, 2011 when the uh, the in Japan with the, with the tidal wave and the, the earthquake and the nuclear mm-hmm. power plant. And I, I, I happen to be working on some companies that were headquartered in Japan and, you know, they weren't necessarily directly affected by this, but it was a significant risk that they needed to start considering. They needed to start considering these climate related uh, things that are happening uh, in that sense. And there was no goodwill impairments. There was no uh, change in their credit ratings or things like that because of what happened. Uh, but suddenly it was on their radar that we do need to be considering disclosing what our, what our exposure is, should there be other issues that happen? I think that's kind of where Disney's going to be at at this point. Uh, obviously, nothing related to climate, uh, but you know, from the perspective that uh, they are operating in a, I'll call it an unstable political environment for one of their largest locations. Uh, that is a real risk. That could have some long-term material consequences. And I do think that uh, for next year's financials and probably even in maybe their upcoming quarterly disclosures, they might be starting to talk about what the impact is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we've talked about a little bit, it may actually be that when you net everything out, they're actually might be right. in a better spot. Um, it's a little hard to say at this point because there is some just general opacity around these areas. Uh, but I do think that they are going to have to be addressing this head on with their investors um, in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's unclear exactly what, like, is this going to be a real problem with getting permits and getting inspections? And maybe it's not, maybe they're going to be able to cooperate with local authorities and they'll have the same people, but these people will instead be paid by, you know, the, the local governments as opposed to Reedy Creek. So they're just going to be. Well, and then what happens to the fire and, and anybody who may be associated with Reedy Creek and if they have pensions and things like that, like that, all that stuff will flow to the counties too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would assume so. So it, it gets, you know, there's even Sounds more pieces to this puzzle that you don't even think about. So, and a lot of this hasn't, I, I don't know that they spent a ton of time thinking through all these, these little implications and, you know, what was going to happen with that. So there hasn't been, you know, plans made. They said, Oh, we'll just work this stuff out over the next year and figure it out. <laughs> The one thing I mentioned before we uh, 
started recording is that there is that precedent out there for Disney to sue Florida for damages. On the flip side, could we see Disney disclose something potentially that says, hey, if we win this lawsuit, we might get a one-time shot in the arm of you know revenue from Florida because of them doing this. Sure, yeah. It, that, I mean, it's definitely possible. I, I, I would have to look more into what exactly the lawsuit would be to see like what what the what it could happen. But I do think that you know there there is going to be a long legal battle uh, between the state of Florida and the Walt Disney Company, and just like many companies of its size. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walt Disney Company has a lot of really good lawyers, and they have a lot of really good people that are considering all these different aspects. Uh, you know, they didn't get to have these large theme parks all over the world because they were making bad decisions. Uh, they did it because they have smart people in place making the right decisions. So I do think that this is going to be uh, somewhat of a. This, this seems to be somewhat of the first battle of a long war that's probably going to be going on between these two entities. Yeah, and I was just coming at it like if they were to sue for damages, you know, let's say they lose revenue or something because of this and they say, hey, we're suing Florida for $200 million and they get they actually did collect on that somehow or what have you that they would be able to to show that and pad their pad the numbers. But I guess like at the end of the day, like when we we go through all this. I like to ask you, Nathan and Christina, are there any real winners? My my initial take on this question was no. Um, I think that as much as Disney might potentially end up saving in taxes, uh, they're going to be hurt from other business dimensions uh, by uh, having these things in place, by having, as you mentioned, the the cleanest roads on the planet, right? Uh, (laughs) These are things that bring people to the park by being able to build at... uh, astronomically quick rates by, you know, new roller coasters, hotels, uh, entire new theme parks, things like that. They're able to continue enhancing their brand as just being this most magical place on earth, uh, as they like to coin their phrase as. So I think that this is ultimately going to hurt them. Maybe not uh, this, this aspect of it will hurt them. Maybe not in the initial couple of years, but over time, uh, this is going to take away from their ability to make that magic that they've had. Um, on the flip side, the state of Florida is looking at a lot of big issues. Not only has uh, the bond ratings of the Reedy Creek area already been uh, lowered in terms of their ratings, but there's been rating agencies like Fitch that have been warning that other Florida municipalities in the state of Florida might also see uh, credit rating warnings because this is going to have that spillover effect onto the rest of the area. Other people are going to be in charge of this. Uh, so I think if you start talking about who are the real winners here, I think both sides are going to see some sort of some sort of short-term gain from this being dissolved. And that has the potential to be quickly overwhelmed by a lot of long-term costs and consequences, uh, probably more notably on the state of Florida side. Yeah, I I agree. And I I mean, I think it's just, it's not clear, you know, what's going to happen with the the jobs of the people that are employed by Reedy Creek, you know, are they just going to transfer over to local governments or, or do they get to decide if they, you know, cost benefit and, and cut some of these and say, we don't need this many inspectors or, or this many fire, you know, people that run the fire department or, or whatever. And um, so it, it'll be interesting to see from that. And then what the, the property tax impacts are on the, you know, the local citizens at that, if they go up as well, I think those are another, yeah, definitely more negative, negative things that can, can happen there. So yeah, in a short run, I agree with Nathan that, that this, I mean, as far as their bottom line in the short run, this might end up a little bit better off, but in the long run, they're going to have to jump through a lot more hoops to to grow their business, which could be 
could be more of a problem. And I guess, like you mentioned, um, this then puts everybody else who has these types of districts on on watch to, you know, I guess they'll have to be disclose this stuff, right? Like materially, there could be a lot of collateral damage to these other districts if this goes through that they're, like you said, their lending costs and everything are going to skyrocket. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, yeah, it's a good thing for, for companies to just keep this on their radar, you know, the impacts of, you know, things with the, with the local politicians. And then if laws change and if they do have these special administrative districts that, you know, if that goes away, what the impacts are and what their, what their plans are to, to navigate that. Well, I just wanted to thank you, Nathan and Christina for joining me. Uh, I will link to the, a great article that you all wrote, The Happiest Place on Earth, A Look Inside Disney's Tax and Non-Tax Battle with the State of Florida. Thanks a lot for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks to Nathan and Christina for sharing their insights with Mike, and be sure to follow them at NC State's Pool Thought Leadership Newsletter. You can follow us on Twitter at financial underscore recon. If you like this show, please be sure to subscribe and share it. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through the Pinnacle Financial Group, DBA, Flagship Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor. The Pinnacle Financial Group and Flagship Wealth Management Group are separate entities from LPL Financial. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal professional. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that all of the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing invokes risks, including possible loss of principal. Doctors Nathan Goldman, Christina Llewellyn, and the NC State Pool College of Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Flagship Wealth Management Group, or the Pinnacle Financial Group.